Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Amen. Praise God. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start in Judges again as I've been in uh, for Judges chapter 6 verse 1 and we'll see how far we get today. And uh, Judges chapter 6 verse 1 and uh, oh yeah also by the way while you're turning there uh, on your iPhones or your pads or you're looking at my big Bible on the screen. Uh, uh, just want to let you know next week we're starting three services. Three services. Uh, so we have one today but usually we have two and uh, God really spoke to me uh, I, I like it packed I like it like we're rowdy there's as many people as you can jam in here like you see right now you don't you don't have much room between you and your neighbor and they can smell your deodorant you understand what I'm saying I like it like that but Jesus really convicted me and said you have you don't have any more empty chairs and, uh, and and God really spoke to me and said where's your faith and so what I, what I want to do is I want to have another service to, to honestly create some empty chairs in the room so that we will believe and remember the reason why we're here is to bring people not only to church, but to bring them to Jesus that might be talked about at this church. And so that we can look next to us and go, man, who's going to fill up this chair? And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit can go, I'm sending you. Amen. So we're going to do three services also just so we have more times to party. man. so if you want to come and hang with us. More than one time, you can. If you want to serve at a service and go to a service, you can. But it's going to be 1030. Somebody say 1030. 1230. 1230. 1230. 1230. And 530. 530. It's the dirty 30. There you go. Judges chapter 6, verse number 1. says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Somebody say, uh-oh. And for seven Years, seven years, he gave them into the hands of Midianite. Now, I want you to put up the version that I added little, little quotations in there, because uh, I know that to us, the Midianites don't really mean anything besides a name we can barely pronounce. Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. For seven years, he gave them into the hands, and I put in there for me, and you, you could put in the blank, whatever it is in your life that you feel like is crushing you, is sometimes destroying you and is hard to get up in the morning because of uh, maybe right now it's in the hands of insecurity. Maybe right now it's in the hands of sickness. Maybe, maybe for you it's just like me. It's the hands of fear. This is what I often do in the Bible, uh, you know, because the Bible was not really written just to us. It was written to them and it was written about them. But now God is wanting to extrapolate, uh, pull out deeper concepts so that we can live in our natural world today uh, with with real things and so for me uh, at times I've been handed into the hands of fear and 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 because of the power for me of fear put in whatever words you want was so oppressive that the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves now I don't, I don't know if you've ever done this preparing a home in a place that was a shelter so because of the thing was crushing me, I gave up on true freedom and true going forward in my life and, and, and prepared uh, like, like, like a bunker for myself to hide in. Uh, sometimes I, I could label that bunker church. Sometimes I can label that bunker the right relationships. Sometimes I could label that bunker people being proud of me. 
you know, hiding in this thing. And it gave me enough to protect myself from the looming fear that I never wanted to deal with. Judges chapter uh, 6, I'm going to continue. It says that they set up shelters from, in mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. Wherever the Israelites planted their crops. So, so I just put, what were my crops? My, they were my dreams. They were my hopes. And, the, and they were visions that I had. Wherever I planted those to be birthed, the, the fear or the Midianites. And then, I, and then all of a sudden fear came with other friends. Uh, for me, it was insecurity. And other Eastern peoples or, or doubts and unbelief invaded the country with fear and they camped on the land. Now, notice that that those things didn't didn't like do anything, but just just be notice that insecurity, fear, anxiety or the Midianites, the Amalekites, they, they just camped. They, they weren't. You don't see them every day out, out at the front lines like we're going to get you. We're going to take the simply just their presence was enough for, for the people of God to live half lives in a place they were called to freedom. Just, just the looming threat of this thing there, just not even talking about it, not even talking to it or it talking to you, just allowing it to camp or take up. If something's camping, it's temporary. So, so the, the people of God are just saying, oh, fear, I'll just let you stay there temporary. So I don't want to deal with you right now. It's just too much to deal with you right now. I'll just let you be there temporary because you're not really causing any trouble except uh, you're taking up space where I'm supposed to live and not just survive but thrive. But, but they, they camped and, and because they allowed them to camp and temporarily be involved in their life, it ruined their dreams, their hopes, and their future. I wonder right now how long God has called us to live with fear. How long God has called us to live with insecurity camped next to us. How long will we do it? How many more years will we allow fear to not maybe say anything, but we won't say anything to it? How long will I live one more year fearing dying? Fearing the grave? Fearing that I might fail, fearing what people think. Fear. It's so funny because we come into church and we fear what everybody in the church is going to think about what we're doing and what our dreams and our hopes. And if we failed or if we succeeded, and we, we only worship because we're fearing that they would see us not lifting our hands or, or lifting our hands. And we, they know what we did last night, so why should I lift my hands? My wife next to me knows we got an argument all the way to church. If I lift my hands, she can go, oh, you're a Christian now, huh? But it's fear shutting you down. But it's not fear that ever changed the world. It's not fear that wrote a symphony. It's not fear that wrote a poem. It's not fear that discovered a cure for a disease. It's faith. It's courage. I'm asking this year that courage camps on my land. I'm asking this year that faith camps on my land. I'm letting fear know, hey, you only got, you got one more hour, baby, because this land... It's been prepared for somebody else. This is not your place. You snuck up onto this land and this is my land. This is his land. And God's going to use this land to change the world. And this is my place for planting my dreams. But they're not my dreams, devil. They're his dreams in me. 
It says this, and they came up and they camped in their tents and their, uh, verse 5, oh, verse 4, they camped on the land and they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. They did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Verse 5, they came up with their livestock and their tents and their swarms like locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. And they invaded the land and they ravaged it. They ravaged it. Fear so impoverished the Israelites, the Christians, the believers, the sons and daughters of God, that they cried out to the Lord for help. Verse number 11. The Lord heard them. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak tree in op- Oprah. Oprah. Just bringing it into modern day Christian. Uh, belonged to Joash and the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon, somebody say Gideon. Gideon. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, hey Gideon. hey Gideon. Where Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from fear or the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, fearful man. The Lord is with you, failure of many. The Lord is with you, you weak nobody. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, now you have to pull back just for a second because you have to understand Gideon is not a mighty warrior. Gideon is not who God's calling him. He, he is not even close. He does not even believe he's close. He has not told anyone he's close. He has not fake Instagram the picture that he is one thing and got his thing up there and telling the world he's something. He knows he is not who God is calling him. He knows that he is nowhere even close, not even in the same realm, not even a thought. But God doesn't speak to him from the facts. God speaks to him in truth. And he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, I know you don't know anything about wheat because most of you are, are gluten-free. Amen? <laughs> that was a joke. He liked that one. That was funny. He's threshing wheat. And how they would thresh wheat is they would, they would have like this pitchfork. And they, they would, after the wheat was cut, the threshing of the wheat was the most important thing because whatever, you couldn't eat everything from the wheat. You couldn't eat the straw and the chaff. And there was wheat involved. And so to get the wheat before we had machines and Stuff like this, they would use the elements. And so they would stand out in an open field and pile up the wheat that had been cut with all the extras. And they would shovel it into the air. And when they threw it into the air, the wind would blow. They would prefer windy days. And whatever was extra on the, the, the shaft and, and, and the straw and all this would blow off. And the wheat would fall into place. So this is how you would thrush wheat. You would be out in the open, as big of a place as you could. Big of an environment as you could. Now, now, pressing grapes or making wine was done different. It was done in a vat. And uh, many wine presses would be used by human feet. They would get inside a wine press, pretty small, as small as they could. They would pile up the grapes as high as they could. After they had been fermented, then they would stomp on the grapes around and around and around for hours and hours until the wine came forth from the bottom of the wine press. So wheat and wine were, were, were brought together in two different ways in two different environments. I don't want you to picture this. Here's Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press because of fear. How stupid does this scenario look? 
He is doing something to such a limited ability because of fear in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because if he did it out in the open, I don't know what could happen. If, if, I, if I did what I'm called to do out here, so this is what the church has done for years. We, we, we worship God in the church. We, 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 we walk with God in the church. We want to serve only in the church. We want to work only in the church. Everyone wants to be a pastor. No one wants to be a designer. Everyone wants to be a preacher. No one wants to be a business owner. And we got, we got people that are supposed to own business preaching in pulpits. And their, their pulpit is failing because they are threshing wheat in a wine press because of fear that if I truly step outside of this building, I may, it may, fear may take me out out here. And that's just one example. Because most of us are living a half-life in freedom, calling it freedom. Most of us are living. We're supposed to be out threshing the, the harvest. We're supposed to be out doing what God called us. You know why he, God wanted them out there doing that? Because he wanted everyone to see, I'm the Lord of that harvest. I want everyone to see all the goodness I have. Just let the wind blow and let me take care of the stuff. But if you are inside the vat, the wind can't even hit you in there. He's trying to do it. Trying to make it. Trying to work on this thing. And, and you know, here's, here's what burnout looks like. Nothing's happening. Nothing's working. Why? Because you're in the wrong place. Because you allowed fear to camp on your land. Here's the question I would ask you. What would you do this year if fear didn't exist in your life? What if you were fearless? Some of you are getting wrecked right there. You're like, oh, I don't want to think about that. What if you could just do this? I'm not going to operate in there anymore. You got me operating in there only when I was called to live it out here. See, this is not the church. This is a nightclub. Look, can I, I'm just being real. This is not the church. You're the church. So don't get stuck in this building trying to live for God. This is just the party of us all coming together, encouraging each other like, dude, awesome. Let's get some of that wine in the, in the wine press. And let's drink that up and let's get back out there and let's be who God's called us to be and let's change the world and let's do. I love Andrew right back there. There's this amen to me right now because you know what? Andrew's not perfect, but he's alive. Right? You know, he's not perfect, but he's alive. And neither am I. Not perfect, but I'm alive. You know what I call Andrew? I call him downtown Jesus. Because everyone that meets Andrew, and so do, so do all the people in this city that, that know him. They call him downtown Jesus. You know who brings a lot of people to this church? Andrew. A lot of messed up, hurting, broken people that need Jesus. That need. You know what I picture Andrew like? You know what you are, bro? You're like the ambulance. Just picking people up and saying, hey, I know you don't know where to go. I'll take you to a place where God is going to meet you and change your life and do something powerful in your life. And you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for a whole bunch more ambulance drivers that say, you know what? I'm going to bring people. But here's where it doesn't, it doesn't end. Don't bring them here first. Bring them to Jesus wherever you're at. If people always bring people to church. I say, that's great. Bring them to church. But just bring them to Jesus first. You don't have to wait till they get to church for you to tell them about the life that you have. How weird is that? They get here, you're like, oh, you were alive this whole time? You didn't tell me? You had the answer the whole time? Are you kidding me? <laughs> but as long as fear is there, we'll live in limited. 
And we'll get burnt out on Jesus. Burnt out on what we're called to do. And, and here's what Gideon was doing. Jesus steps in and he is totally failing. He is totally just, just sucks. He's, here's Gideon. He's just like, are you kidding me? And God doesn't even talk to him where he's at. Here's my question today. You see yourself in one place as God already sees you in a whole nother place. He calls him mighty warrior while he is living such a half lame life. Here's what I would say about us. We ought to have a prophecy about our life that freaks us out a little bit. I'm tired of meeting people that think they got it all figured out. I'm tired of people meeting people that have these grandiose dreams and they're not freaked out by them. Look, if you're not freaked out by what God says about you, then maybe you got your dream instead of his dream. When God speaks, it, it's shocking. Like, what? I mean, I'm sure Gideon, if he, if, if he had a language problem, he cussed in that moment. I mean, he's like, what? Mighty warrior? Like, are you kidding? Like, do you, have you, hello, have you seen me? Do you see these arms? I haven't been doing CrossFit. Like, I don't know how to. I don't know how to use a sword. I'm, I'm hiding right now. I am hiding right now. I, am, I was hiding for a good reason. And I love God because he always picks people that are hiding. Uh, he picked David in a cave. He was hiding in a cave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he loves to pick people that are hiding. Paul was hiding in religion. And God said, I'm going to use you. Lazarus was hiding in death. And God said, I'm going to use you. What are you hiding in right now that you think God can't get around? Because his word is better than what you're hiding in. His word is more dangerous than what you're hiding in. And, 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 I, and I just want to let you know, it's dangerous to be here. I'm just, I'm t- you shouldn't come to this church because I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you how it is. I'm going to tell you how it is in a good way that you are not called to live a half lame, boring Christian life. You are called to be fully alive and have a destiny and a call and a plan. Get in. Mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. Gideon's like freaking out. Everyone, no one would agree. You ought to have a prophecy in your life that everyone would look at it and laugh if you told them. Here's my other problem. In church, we pick the wrong people. We pick the most talented. We pick the most available. We, we pick the one that, that works it all. And God picks the least. God picks the lame. God picks the broken. Do do you even know who he picked? You think I was always like this. You think I just woke up like this, crazy, eating Jesus Wheaties. That wasn't me. I was Gideon, hiding in my wine press. And when we're in the wine press, we're more concerned about the what than the why. God speaks, go mighty warrior. The first thing Gideon says back to him, He says, who am I? He says, where have you been? He's concerned about the what, not the why. See, the why is God heard the people of God cry out that they needed help. And so God showed up and he chose a man that didn't belong in the story. Because at the end, God wants to get the victory, not us. If at the end of your dream, you get the credit, then it's not God's dream. Right? Dude, I was the least in my class. I was... I failed every speech I ever gave. You, you want to see me in high school? Do you want, do you want to? I mean, I tried to, I tried to, I tried to get involved in the what. I, see, here's what I want to tell you. As long as you chase the what for your life, 
you will miss the power of why you were born. Because the what is the race to the biggest seat in the house. The one that brings the most awe, the most excitement. This is why people, when they get called from God, they go, man, I've seen 10 million in Africa. God was speaking to me. So I'm leaving this little church and I'm going. I've seen thousands coming. And it's like this voice that comes upon them. I don't know what it is. And, I, and I'm thankful for that. But that's the what. That's not the why. You're still caught up in the what. I'm going to be a great actress. I'm going to be a great actor. That's the what. Not the why. I'm going to plant a church. That's the what. Not the why. I'm going to start a business. That's the what. Not the why. As long as you worship the what, the what will let you down. And, and the what will only be a party when you finally get to that grandiose moment. And by the time you get there, you'll be so beat up, you don't even give a rip anymore. And then you've got 10 more what's you've got to chase. So for the rest of your life, you're going to be chasing the what. But if you could catch, God doesn't care about the what. He cares about the why. Think about Jesus coming to this earth. Was there one thing he did that was higher than what he was experiencing in heaven? I mean, think about his sermon. You know, there's 5,000, maybe 15,000. I was like, dude, I got legions, like on the left, legions on the right. They're lifting me up underneath. They're flying above me. Three of them are on fire. The lion is sitting next to me. I mean, I got, I got a throne. I don't need a pulpit. I got a, or your boat. I got, like, look at everything Jesus did was lower. So if he would have focused on the what, we would not be here today. But it's the why. Why was God calling Gideon? Why was God calling Gideon? We get focused on the what. We go, God, I don't have those what's. I don't have those things I need, the qualifications the, uh, to do this big what. God's like, I don't care about the what. I care about the why. So I heard someone cry out to me. So I'm coming to you to change everything. As long as we focus on the what, we will miss the why. What did we do today? All the leaders, they came and set up chairs. Set up chairs. Put this stage here. Screwed it in. Wow, this is amazing what I'm doing for God. Setting up chairs. Someone will clean up this popcorn. That's the what. The what's not enamored. But we're enamored with the what instead of the why. Why are we alive? Why has God given us life? Because there's a group of people outside this room that have cried out, God, if you're real. I mean, I don't know if you are. I don't know if I, I, I don't believe about the science books. God's like, good, it doesn't come through that. It comes through faith and faith alone. I, I, if, if, you, if you love me, would you, would you God, if, if you were just real, I, I'm not even going to say it out loud. I, I call myself an atheist, but I don't even know what I am anymore. I need to know, do you love me? And God's hearing them cry out, and he's looking for a group of people that said, I don't care about the what I have to do. I'm here for a why this is why if you catch the why you can celebrate being a barista or owning the business because you have been placed in that environment to love on people you have been placed in that environment for souls people always get caught up in there's christian music and christian books and can i tell you this anything that doesn't have a soul don't label it something that only souls can be labeled God did not come for your Christian books, for your Christian music, for your Christian church. He came for souls. That's the only reason why Jesus came to this earth. And he said, I, I stepped down my what to embrace a new why. And I'm just looking for a few people that want to look like Jesus in these latter days and say, man, I don't care what you want me to do, God. I'm ready for the why. 
And if you catch the why, he will embrace you for the what. He will give you all the grace you need to do what you got to do. I chased the what for a long time, and I looked stupid chasing the what. The what in my high school, the big thing in my high school was playing football. So I joined the football team. Can I show you a picture of me trying to join the football team? You want to you see me trying to play football in the Super Bowl? How stupid do I look? <laughs> no, Toto. That's what my wife said up there. But I'm just saying, look, I, chased, I spent most of my life chasing the what that made others that I thought would make others like me or, or be proud of me or what I could do or achieve. All the high school I did that. And then later in life I did that. And, and I'm just saying today, what if, what if the what doesn't matter? I, mean, I know you like it. I know you're, many people say, I, I, would, I would love to do this for God because I'm passionate about that. Good. Awesome. But what happens when you're not passionate about that? Because can I tell you that? That thing won't continue the passion. You know the only thing that will make you passionate? You know what Jesus called passionate? The passion of the cross. It's the only thing that will give you fire. Is souls. It's the only thing that will change everything. Is if you realize that your life is a beacon of light and hope for everybody you come in contact with. Every day is the Super Bowl for us. Every day is game day for us. Every day we are winning. Every day. Every day. You know what? I, I, I dare you to start going, you know what? Today I should have been able to throw a party. But as long as I focus on the what, i got to wait 10 years. But I can party right now. Because God put groaning, complaining, hurting, uh, you know, broken people around me and I can tell because they are getting angrier and more mad every time I love on them good God we're going to chop this tree down I'm going to keep loving on them keep loving on them keep loving on them here's what we want to do at Fearless we want to love till they ask why not tell them why and then love them that's what we do Jesus loves you now let me show you let me show you his love no no forget it don't say a thing don't preach preach don't preach. Preach. Love on. Who are you loving on right now? Who are you being like the angel over Gideon right now? Mighty warrior. Who are you speaking truth over right now that does not have anyone to speak over? God's trying to send an angel and that angel's you to speak life over people. Who in your life have you seen them in their wine press instead of seeing them changing the whole city? Right now, I, I, I dare you to become fearless. You know what people say? What, what's, the, uh, what's the mission of fearless? What's the vision of fearless? I don't know the vision of fearless. The vision of fearless is simple, to love more and fear less. You say, is that easy? It's that easy. If we could just do that as the church, what could happen? If tomorrow you woke up and loved more, and I'm not talking about love people that agree with you. I'm, I'm talking about the love that the Bible talks about. I'm talking about love that is patient. Love that is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is kind. Love is not rude. Love does not put people down. It builds people up. Right? People saying, where's the church at? The church is right here. Where are you at, church? How are we going to love? Love does not mean agreeing with everything. You can disagree and still love. Yeah. Yeah, most of us have friends or the people that agree with us. People that don't disagree with us. Man, maybe you need some people that disagree with you in your life. 
Maybe you can at the end of the day wake up and go, man, we disagree, but you know what? We, we agree on one thing. Jesus is king, he is Lord, and he wants to love on a city. Look, can, can we do that as believers? Can we become our name of this church? I don't have time to keep going to Gideon, but it's bad, I'm telling you. Gideon was confused as the piano plays. Gideon was confused at why he was in the situation he was in. He, he was actually mad at God because he was in a storm. Some of us, it's not just that we don't want to deal with fear. We're kind of like, we're kind of like sucking it to God. Like, you kind, of, you kind of allowed me to be in here. So I'll just stay in here and I guess you just want me to live this. You ever been like that kind of angry Christian? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, I have. Like, I guess you just want me to, I guess you don't care anymore. Guess just your hand was on me and now it's not. Where is the God of our fathers that, that broke down walls and, and split seas? I guess he's not here anymore. I guess I failed too far. And, and, and he's like, God, where, where are you? I'm like, I'm like trying to just live and I don't know where you are. And, and I think if we don't understand that there are three types of storms, okay? If you have notes, you can take them. If you have great memories, you can memorize. Ladies, I'm just letting you know, men that take notes are way better husbands. I'm just telling you. You see all the men getting their phones out. They look for a man like that. At least that's what my wife tells me. Three types of storms. Number one, the storm of correction. Jonah was in this storm. The Israelites were in this storm. They had turned from God. They had worshipped false idols. And the storm of correction came. It was trying to correct them to the right path. Not because God was mad at them, but because he loved them so much he was tired of them walking in the wrong way. Jonah's whale experience was not because God's like, fine, press the whale button. The whale comes, eats Jonah. Hope you hate it in there, Jonah. No, it's because Jonah was going to miss his destiny. Storm of correction. That's one storm. The second storm is the storm of perfection. This is the storm that Joseph went through. This is the storm that David went through. He kills the giant. Everything's awesome. People are chanting. And then the king that's there tries to kill him. And he goes and hides in a cave. And he's like, God, what is going on? I'm in this cave with all these killers that have joined me in this cave. God said, that's your mighty men. I'm perfecting something in you right now. I'm taking the Saul out of you. So when you become king, you won't be Saul. He's perfecting you. There are storms that perfect you. There are storms. Uh, Joseph had a dream. And he had a Joseph dream. He has the coat of many colors. He's telling everyone his dream. And I mean, his dream is so radical. He's telling his brothers, you're going to bow down to me one day. I mean, and if you're a brother, you're like, dude, I ain't bowing down to you. Get in that pit. I'm selling you into slavery. And that's what happened. Because Joseph didn't understand. You don't tell everybody your dream. Some people aren't ready to handle your dream. Because they're still chasing their dream, not God's dream. So God was perfecting his ability to broadcast what God called him to do. He was, he put him into, he, he was a servant in a house and he was perfecting who he was. And then he got into prison and he was perfecting who he was. Did God still have his hand on his life? Yes. But it was a storm of perfection. Maybe you're in a storm of perfection right now. The last storm that comes is the storm of perspective. God is shifting your perspective. It's the storm the disciples were in. They're in the boat. The waves come. Jesus just multiplied fish. Jesus is tired. 
Side note, sometimes you got to rest. I'm learning that. Jesus is sleeping in the boat, and the storm breaks out, and the disciples are freaking out. We're going to die. They wake Jesus up. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Why are you not freaking out with us? Why, how could you sleep in a time like this? And God was giving them a new perspective. I don't freak out when you freak out. I'm not, I don't, I don't get worried. I, I don't get fearful. I, oh yeah, these waves, I made them. I, I don't know if you remember that. I'm, I'm God. And do you want me to lower myself and become human? Because I could, but then I couldn't be God. God is giving you, some storms are giving you a new perspective that when you're freaking out, God is not freaking out. Sometimes, eagles, the pressure of the storm is pushing you to a new elevation to see the same old thing in a different way. I'll explain it like this. Isn't it that when you look back on stuff, sometimes it looks better than going through it? Yeah. You look back, you're like, you're like, hey, would you have liked to live your life without that? And then you pause, you're like, no, actually, I, I'm thankful that I went through that. Because it made me who I am. It gave me a new perspective on life and myself and my God and my king. And it's after things that we get a new perspective of what we're going through. So here's the question I ask you, which storm are you in? Here's the problem in Christianity. We, we get mixed up which storm we're in. We think we're in the correcting storm, so we're trying to punish ourselves and try to figure out what we're doing wrong. And God's like, no, I was just trying to give you new eyes. You didn't do anything wrong. I was just trying to show you that I'm with you even in the pain. The disciples didn't do anything wrong to be in the storm in the boat. God was just trying to show him he was the Lord of the water. What is God trying to teach you in this storm? And as long as you try to learn the wrong lesson, you will stay in the storm on repeat until you figure out what God was trying to teach you in this storm. What was God trying to teach Gideon? Giving him new perspective. I put you in the rhyme press. I made you least. Why did God make him least? Because he wanted to show him that as long as I'm with you, it doesn't matter what comes against you. I will take out anything that tries to stop the call I have on your life. Look, you don't have to protect your call. God will. As long as it's not yours. As long as you didn't call yourself. Be careful calling yourself into things. Well, I don't have time for that. but uh, yeah. Be careful doing something that you, you, you said, hey, I think this would be a good idea. This is a cool idea. Be careful doing good ideas that you called yourself into, that you thought it would look nice to do, because God doesn't protect there. God only protects where he orchestrates the call. Where God calls, he provides. And God called Gideon, mighty warrior. And we know the rest of the story that it became what God called him because when God calls, he sets up everything that comes against you. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? Hey, I love you guys. Thankful for you. Let you know, I, I, I just, uh, I went through a storm recently. And I've, I've try to figure out which one it was you know and it's funny when you're going through a storm everyone will tell you their thoughts on why you're in it sometimes I just tell you to stop listening to everyone else and ask the Holy Spirit show me why I'm in this moment what do you want to teach me in this moment why am I stuck in this wine press when I'm supposed to be living in freedom why am I here God why am I alive today Why'd you put me in the family you put me in, in the job you put me in? And why'd you put me around these people that hate you? 
I don't know what to do with this. When you begin to ask that to God, God begins to download the how to the why. Because he cares so much about the how. How did God tell Gideon? He said, here's the, here's the, here's the answer to the how. Are you ready for this? It's very complicated. It's like math equation. You're just going to blow your mind. God said, here's, here's how. I'll be with you. Gideon, I mean, he should have shut up at that moment. He did it because he didn't know God. But here's, you say, God, how are you going to do this? Hey, I'll be with you. Quit worrying about the how. Let, let me do that. Am I enough in the equation to solve all of it? Or do you need me in something else? He is enough. I've been in a storm myself, and I feel like this storm for me, physically, I've been, you know, I had headaches for two months. By the way, my headaches are gone. For, for a week and a half, they've been gone. I haven't had a headache for a week and a half. Come on, Jesus. I, I, I feel like I'll throw a party with that. You know what's crazy? As soon as I answered the last question on the test, the test was over. I thought it was... I thought it was the, uh, you know, correcting, trying to figure out what am I doing wrong in my life, God? Did I, did I sin? Did I fall short of your glory? Did, and then I thought it was perfecting, God, is, is the vision okay? Am I, do, what am I, am I doing my call right? And God, God finally showed me, no, it was perspecting. I was trying to show you that everything you do, you have to do it with me. And as soon as you start trying to do it on your own, you miss that we were doing this together. And as soon as I caught that, the headaches went away. As soon as I caught what God was trying to teach me, that went away. It left. So here's what I want to tell you. What in your life that is looming, that right now could leave if you just pass the test? God's not giving you a test because he's mad at you. Like, I'm trying to test you. He's giving you a test because he's proud of you. A real teacher doesn't give a test because she's mad at the students. Like, I'm, I hate you. You're taking this test. I mean, we feel like that in the third grade. But when you finally get older, you realize the test was actually to prove that you learned what you needed to learn. And it was to graduate you to the next level. I wonder what God's trying to graduate in you right now. That all you have to do is say, yes, Jesus, I'm learning from this moment. Would you lift your hands all over this room? If you're in this room under the sound of my voice and you're walking through one of those three tests, Maybe you know which one it is. Maybe you're still figuring it out. Would you just wave at me? Say, you know, Pastor, I'm walking through one of those tests. 2017 began, and here I am, right in the, right in the middle of a storm, right in the middle of the stuff. Is it correcting? Is it, is it perfecting? Is it prospecting? Which one is it, God? Which one are you trying to show me, God? Which one are you trying to show me? Father, I pray right now, God, you would tell them which one it is. Maybe they've gone on the wrong path, and, Lord, they've taken 20 steps down the wrong road, and, Lord, they left your call behind. God, I pray, Lord, it wouldn't be so difficult just to turn around and say, God, I'm, I'm, God is right there. I want to tell you, if you've left God, if you've walked away from God, He is right there. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Every week, people pray a prayer in this, this house right here to say, God, I invite you back into my life. I invite you back into my story. 
If you're in this room, you say, you know what? That's me. God's, God's, he's trying to correct something that I, I took a wrong step and I need to take steps back towards God. Or maybe you're, you're taking your first steps towards God. I want you to wave at me. That's you. You say, you know, God's correcting something in me. I feel like I, I, I started walking down the wrong path. I started thinking the wrong things. I started doing the wrong things. God's perfecting. I got you, man. Right there, bro. Proud of you, man. Right back here. Different people are saying that today. If you're in this room and you say, you know what? I feel like my storm is God is perfecting. He is perfecting my call. He's, he's giving me new vision on the same call. He's trying, to, he's trying to perfect this gift that I have. And, and he's showing me how amazing it is. I want you to wave at me. So he's trying to, I feel like really like, like Joseph. I, I have my coat of many colors. Maybe I told a lot of people my dream. Whatever it is, God's perfecting it. He, he's working on it. He's working on it. You know when he works on it, you got to give it to him. You can't work on it in your hands. you got to hand it to him if you want him to work on it. The call in my life, the why in my life. Work on it, God. Work on it, God. Maybe you're in this room and the last, you're in that last category. God has given you perspective on him in the storm. You see God, you're like, you want God to freak out with you, but he's not. He's not speaking, not talking. He's quiet. And he's giving you perspective that he's in charge of the storm. I want you to wave at me. Say, that's me, man. I feel like I wish God would freak out with me, but you know what? I'm going to let him be God. I don't need him to be man. I don't need him to be a woman. I need him to be God. Everyone just put your hands up one last time. Jesus, I just pray for this amazing crowd. And Lord, we sing this song that you're a good, good father. It's who you are. Lord, I I know that you were lifting our hands because this is what my kids do when I come in the room. And they want me to pick them up. Father... The best place we could be in any storm is, is next to you. God, we, like the disciples, woke you up. We don't wake you up out of fear. We wake you up to let you know, Father, that, that we need you in this storm. We need you to show us whatever you have for us. And Lord, we're tired of doing a half-life. We need fear to leave our land. We need anxiety to leave our land. We need depression to leave our land. And Lord, we know that you have a huge why for us living today father we reach out to you and say you're a good good father come on would you sing this with us thank you for listening if you have something that you need prayer for we would love to pray for you visit fearlessla.com fearless tv to fill out a prayer request or find more information about fearless church